Hey, Unchained listeners. As you know, it's hard keeping up with the fast-paced world of crypto, so we've got just the thing for you. Subscribe to our free Unchained daily newsletter at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. You'll get the latest crypto news and original articles from our reporters, as well as summaries of other happenings and bullet points, plus our meme of the day, all curated and written by our amazing team. It's still your no-hype resource for all things crypto, just in newsletter form. Sign up at unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Not a dividend. It's a tale of two clones. Now, your losses are on someone else's balance sheet. Generally speaking, airdrops are kind of pointless anyways. Um, I named trading firms who were very involved. Talic.eth is the ultimate possible. DeFi protocols are the antidote to this problem. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Chopping Block. Every couple of weeks, the four of us get together and give the industry insider's perspective on the crypto topics of the day. So quick intros. First up, we've got Tom, the DeFi maven and master of memes. Next, we've got Robert, crypto connoisseur and captain of Compound. Then we've got Tarun, the Giga Brain and Grand Poobah at Gauntlet. And finally, you've got myself, I'm Hasib, the head hype man at Dragonfly. Four of us are early stage investors in crypto, but I want to caveat that nothing we say here is investment advice, legal advice, or even life advice. Please see choppingblock.xyz for more disclosures. And this week, especially not legal advice. Yeah, this is super, super not legal advice, although there's a lot of legal shit that's going on that we have to talk about. So We, I, we I might not say, be providing legal advice. But you might need legal advice after listening to this. Apparently, apparently. So <laughs> I, I always say it's been a crazy week in crypto, and it's just never not been true. I, I don't know what it is, but this year has just been an, an avalanche of crazy, crazy things going on. And so the first thing that just dropped a couple days ago uh, was the, the CFTC lawsuit against Binance. So this is the big one. This is the thing that everybody's been waiting for for a very, very long time. Binance, although they've had lots of little kind of pot shots at them by individual regulators, individual countries, nobody's ever actually tried to go after the king. And that's basically what the CFTC did in this lawsuit. They, they instead of saying, like, oh, you're operating without a license, or oh, you're doing this, oh, you're kind of like skirting some of the rules. They're like, no, 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 your entire business is skirting all of the rules everywhere. And it all is going straight at not only Binance, the company, not just Binance.com, but also CZ himself. So the complaint is 70 plus pages long. It's a, it's a lot. I actually read through the whole thing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give for the audience just some of the highlights to understand what the case is that the CFTC is laying out. So the, the broad shape of the case is basically that, unsurprisingly, that they're offering financial derivatives and commodities products to U.S. customers without having a license. So that's the basic obvious thing the CFTC is responsible for that they are, you know, Binance is not doing. Um, so now here's, here's some of the interesting details that we learned from this very, very extensive complaint. There's a lot of information in here that is surprising how much data they have and how many chat logs they have from inside of Binance. So the first thing is, is the uh, chief compliance officer, Samuel Lim. This guy, we have so much, so many of the chat logs from this guy. He's sort of painted as like this Iago-like figure, this sort of gremlin who's just like, ha ha ha, we're evading compliance and it's okay. So he, So internally, they knew that they had a huge portion of their user base from the U.S., which of course they should not have because they're not licensed in the U.S. to to offer derivatives to U.S. customers. Um, and so when when BitMEX was taken down in 2019, they decided to change the way that they uh, reported and labeled their U.S. customers as unknown on their U.S. In, in, on their internal analytics. So CZ and everybody internally knew that they had a huge amount of U.S. customer base, uh, but they instructed their user customers to use VPNs. And they had this uh, you know article that they listed of here's how to use a VPN. If websites don't allow you to log in from the U.S., you can use a VPN. Wink, wink. You know, was, I don't know if it, you might have this problem. So they started IP blocking. There was a there was a really good tidbit in there where they claim to be IP blocking, um, and you get a pop up if you're using from the U.S. And you could just X out the pop up and then keep using the site. So they weren't <laughs> actually IP blocking. What the CFTC complaint paints is that Binance was always kind of wink, wink doing compliance stuff where basically they were like, oh, you know, we're kind of blocking the U.S. But if a U.S. client comes to us and they're like, hey, we're now getting blocked, they would basically advise them to say, hey, just, you know, use a fucking VPN. And once they use a VPN, they'd be like, okay, great. This is the same customer. Let's continue letting them use their own same account, continue with their, you know, VIP points and their reputation and their trading limits and all that stuff. So not only were they allowing lots and lots of U.S. customers to use a platform, at one point they had something on the order of 20% of their volume was from the US uh, until they onboarded Binance US, in which case once they had Binance US, they pushed the customers from the US to Binance US unless they were doing a lot of volume. If they were doing a lot of volume, 
Then they would advise them to say, hey, you guys get to level up from Binance US. Binance US is kind of the kiddie pool. We're going to bring you onto Binance.com. In order to do that, you will need to have some kind of offshore account. And so they would sort of basically nudge, nudge, advise them into, hey, set up an offshore account. We won't look through to the beneficial owners or we'll do like some kind of magic or we'll allow you to transfer your KYC if your KYC doesn't work to basically massage this as best we can to get you onto Binance.com where the real money is made and where the most you know, lucrative products are also, are also uh, going to be tradable. Now, not only were they allowing lots and lots of U.S. customers to trade on Binance, but also they were basically, their entire KYC program was kind of a sham. So for one, they, they knew that they were uh, allowing a lot of black market activity on the platform to the point where there are references to Hamas as being a customer of, of Binance. And so, you know, this is in direct violation of sanctions, knowing violations of sanctions. There were a lot of examples of darknet markets, you know, basically people engaged in strictly illegal activity, a bunch of Russian mobsters or something like that that were using the platform. And they were basically like, yeah, this is almost certainly illegal activity. Let's just, let's just all agree to look the other way. And they, they, have, they have chat logs where they basically acknowledge that, hey, we know that this is illegal activity. Uh, let's just Let's just kind of look the other way. These chat logs are like reminiscent of, you know, the FX chat logs from the financial crisis. If you remember all of those, uh, very funny, but like almost so comical that someone actually wrote that level of chat log. So I highly recommend if you're a listener and you haven't read some of these, you should read them not only for the legal understanding, but also for entertainment purposes, because it's definitely worth reading for that reason. Yeah, if you just scan through for like the different spacing on the chat logs, I think it's worth if you're not gonna read the whole thing, just read the chat logs. Because you'll get you'll get a sense very quickly of how bad this is. The 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 other element of this is that there there was basically three hundred accounts that were internally used by Binance and CZ uh to trade directly on Binance itself. So, you know, it, there there was also um uh, indications that big prop shops were given special latency fast lanes. So there, the same thing that has happened with FTX is that certain people were getting faster API access than others. And uh, the other thing was that all this activity was obviously willful. They were, they were denying all this stuff publicly and they were doing this over and over and over again in all of their public statements. Um, and internally, everything was rolling up to CZ. CZ was basically making all these decisions directly about the compliance program, about the strategy with the US, about you know, all the shell companies that they used um, and everything was happening over Signal with auto-deleting messages. And so it was intentionally designed so that nothing was going to leave a trace. There were a couple of choice quotes that I thought were very interesting that I wanted to share directly. Uh, well, so actually, one, one other thing I should mention before I go into the quotes, uh, the CFTC directly, in, in, ironically, uh, in this complaint, they claim that Ether, Bitcoin, Litecoin, USDT, and BUSD were all commodities. Sort of in direct contradiction to the SEC, <laughs> what the SEC just claimed like a week ago. And uh, the other interesting thing is that in order to establish jurisdiction, so they, they made a bunch of claims to establish jurisdiction, obviously one of them just being that there were a ton of U.S. customers on the platform, so it's not a hard place to establish jurisdiction. But one of the added points they made was that they used U.S. services for Binance, such as AWS and Google, which basically means that the whole world is U.S. jurisdiction now, because I don't know, you know, almost every company has something that depends on AWS or Google. The two quotes that I thought were, fantastic. Uh, the first one was talking about Lim, the, the CCO. They claim Lim displayed a nuanced understanding of applicable regulatory requirements and the potential liability that may accompany a failure to comply with U.S. law. For example, he chatted to a colleague in October 2020. U.S. users equals CFTC equals civil case can pay a fine, go settle. No KYC equals BSA, the Bank Secrecy Act, equals criminal case, have to go to jail. Interestingly, a lot of what they've detailed here in this complaint is not just civil. It's not just CFTC stuff. All this stuff is about sanctions violations, is about intentionally facilitating money laundering, lots of stuff that looks a lot like the latter part of this statement, which is BSA Act, criminal case, have to go to jail. And so a lot of people are now speculating that the CFTC lawsuit, this is so big. Usually CFTC lawsuits don't look like this. There's not this much other stuff about potential criminal behavior that's going on here. And so a lot of people are speculating that there's going to be another drop fairly soon, whether it be from the SEC, whether it be from the DOJ. We know that the SEC and the DOJ have been investigating Binance for years. And with all of this data now out there from the CFTC, there's probably going to be some collaboration with some of the other U.S. agencies that most likely, my guess would be, that something criminal is coming because this stuff very, very clearly rises to, you know, we have, we have in, in this example alone, there's just clear sanctions violations, which are strict criminal liability. And then lastly, the last really interesting thing, the, the question when you, when, when you read this thing, you're like, how do they have all this? 
surely Binance did not give this to them when they asked them for documents. And the CFTC explicitly states particular things they asked for that Binance refused to provide them. And so in, in one, of the, uh, uh, one of the statements, just somewhere in there, it says, you know, uh, CZ communicate over signal with the auto-delete functionality enabled with numerous Binance officers, employees, and agents. For example, the following signal text chains or group chats collected from CZ's telephone were among those set to auto-delete, implying that maybe the CFTC may have leaked unintentionally in this passage that they had access to CZ's phone. So I'm going to stop there. What are you guys' reaction to seeing the CFTC lawsuit? I mean, that was actually the first thing I want to point out is like everyone needs to come up with some conspiracy theory for why, how the CFTC obtained those. They were a little imprecise in their language in other places too. So I, I could totally imagine that it's actually like someone else who was a whistleblower was in the same chat and it was on auto delete mode. And, you know, the CFTC is not exactly being quite precise about where they got it from. Like they know that if the group chat was on a delete, it must have been deleted on CC's phone. But like they, it, it was a little bit duplicitous. The problem is that this stuff goes back to like 2020. So whoever was recording this, right? So it was somebody in the yeah. inner circle, if, it, if it's a leak, it was somebody who was persisting these messages for years yeah. who was in the inner circle. Like that seems unlikely to me. I mean, there's a lot of different plausible explanations, assuming it wasn't like a grammatical error. So one is that at some point the investigation was friendlier. You know, he did say that they had been talking to him for two years. It's possible he turned over from like a subpoena or something like that, his phone voluntarily at some point, either like an image of it or whatever. That's, you know, it's not likely, but it's a possibility is that he provided that information. The second was that, you know, it was accessed through unscrupulous means in one way or another. It's possible, you know, someone just imaged it, you know, walking past his computer or something like that. Who knows? But the third possibility in my mind is that, you know, it is just a grammatical error and it's not actually from his phone. It's implied to be from his phone. And they're just picking up other information they have and piecing it together to say, here's what we know about him. But how could they have gotten all these chat logs? Like this is over years of chats. I just want to point out, I don't think this is a NSA chose uh, bad parameters for signal and, Signal used a NIST curve and somehow they backdoored it. I, I feel like I've read some, you know, the, the, I've read people online be like, oh, Signal's now broken, whatever. I, I just want to like, the reason I was bringing up the conspiracy theories is I've seen things like that. And I would say I highly doubt that that's true. Yeah, I highly doubt they would reveal that fact through this lawsuit as well. It does not seem maybe like the best use. I mean, I, I agree. I think maybe it's multiple collaborators over multiple periods of time or like, you know, it's more like you have a compromised, you know, client on a bad phone or bad computer versus like something being wrong with the protocol. So yeah, I, I don't know. I think that there's multiple angles of attack here, but I, I guess when I was reading this, I think like the last big like exchange lawsuit that was not fraud or collapse was BitMEX and thinking about kind of the similarities there, but also the differences being not so intentionally flouting, you know, BSA uh, compliance, which it seems like uh, Binance was, was pretty actively doing. Yeah, I mean, BitMEX was just such a different scale, right? BitMEX was like, oh, you had some percent of U.S. customers on there. It's like, what the DOJ showed for BitMEX was that there was some Americans, right? They didn't even say how much, if I recall. It was like a very small number. This is like a multi-year, very willful. This is not like, oh, you were negligent and you didn't implement a KYC program. It's that you basically like, lied over many years about the extent to which you were doing this. And even like, you know, like a year to two years ago, they were openly flouting this stuff. And, and it's also like, you know, the, 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 with the DOJ, they never had anything on, on Arthur about like terrorist financing or, you know, facilitating like Binance is operating at such a bigger scale than BitMEX ever was as well. And that's, I think it's important for people to understand that like Binance at the height of the market, Binance was probably worth like 200, $300 billion. It was making so much money. It was so massive as a business. I'm obviously, I mean, equity prices in general were much higher um, at the height of the market, but um, they just have such a huge footprint globally that it is, it is basically one of the, it was basically one of the biggest companies in the world. And they were effectively open for business for almost anybody. That's what the complaint is effectively alleging. And that just means that the volume of, you know, uh, criminal activity and, and black market uh, behavior that's, that's flowing to the platform. Now, obviously a lot of it is too small and it's like not worth it their time to bank it. But for some of this stuff, like clearly the policy, you can, you can see it from the interaction with CZ. CZ is like, look, as long as we don't get caught and as long as we can sort of claim publicly that 
we're kind of paying lip service to compliance, do whatever. That, that's basically what almost every chat log with CZ looks like. Well, let me push back on that statement just now. So yes, there was a lot of stuff that was too small for them to care about it because it wouldn't be profitable. But like some of the logs that were presented were transactions that were too small and they were talking about it and it was extremely bad. The best example is like talking about how they were aware that Hamas was laundering $600 a, a time through their platform. And they were joking like, oh, is that even enough to buy an AK-47? Like, haha. Like, that's the crazy thing to me is that it is such a small amount of money that it, there's no way it was profitable for them as a business. And they still acknowledged it and like moved forward with it over like a small dollar amount. It's not like this was like billions of dollars. This was $600 of like terrorist financing that they laughed about. So it seems extremely illogical. To me. The, the other thing, you know, we saw what happened to Arthur and, you know, with Arthur, that was at a time when crypto was much less villainized in the U.S. than it is today. And there was a lot less, there was a lot less bloodlust in, you know, the, the sort of uh, the executive branch than there is today. So I think what happens to CZ here almost certainly is going to be really ugly. You know, we, we already have enough in here for them to bring criminal charges, as far as I can tell. And the kind of criminal charges that they, you would bring to CZ are not like a, hey, you know, you, 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 you slap on the wrist like, oh, you sort of, you didn't put a good enough compliance program in. The, the stuff here seems much bigger than that. Now, that being said, we know the DOJ has been investigating them for years, although it seems like, however, the CFTC got this information, whether it be from, you know, because so many of these conversations involve the CCO, my assumption is that if, if, there's a, if there is a cooperator, it's probably the CCO, uh, because the CCO is probably, you know, in the fear CCO for his is life. named as a defendant, though which I thought was kind of interesting. If it was like a plea arrangement, it's usually like they do like a separate arraignment, right? Like if you, look, right? At FTX, I, if you look at the FTX ones, um, the, the Carolyn plea, for instance, is like a separate chart. It's like not, not, she's not listed. That, that, so there's, so there's I, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so don't, don't quote me on that. But I do know that that <laughs> was different. That was, that was something I noticed was different. It was Samuel Lynn was like explicitly one of the defendants. Right. So uh, it's hard to tell what happens from here, but this does feel very substantively different. You know, what happened with BitMEX? It does seem though, you know, I was just talking to somebody about this yesterday, that like being the biggest exchange in the world is kind of like being the emperor of China in that like eventually you're going to, somebody's going to come after you. Somebody's going to kill you. Your lifespan is going to be very limited. Um, but there's really no way to be the king of the world without getting some blood on your hands. That seems to be, in some way, the moral of the story here. Like the only way Binance could grow this big and become this dominant is by cutting more corners than everybody else. And you can well, see very clearly that's what they were doing. I don't know if it's by cutting corners. I mean, amongst all of the bad behavior in there, like the most shocking part to me as a reader and as like an industry participant was reading that they had 300 house accounts that they were using to trade against users on their exchange, right? That's not cutting a corner, right? They could have built the hugest exchange of all time without having any accounts trading against their customers, right? They could have built probably the hugest account of all time while being serious about like blocking terrorist financing, right? Like none of those things I think help them build the hugest exchange of all time. So well, allowing us customers definitely helped them. <laughs> like, yeah, that was for a, sure. And they pointed yeah. out the business case for like knowingly allowing us yeah. customers with like a massaged VPN whole situation. I think the hammer is going to come down on them extremely hard. And as you said, there's a lot of bloodlust right now. Combine bloodlust plus very bad behavior plus this like quasi-xenophobia around like Binance as a Chinese exchange. I think the Venn diagram of that is going to lead to, you know, the hammer of Thor coming down on them. You know, TikTok is the target <laughs> of vengeance right now. I'm serious. TikTok no, is the yeah. target of vengeance. And yeah, they honestly yeah. have really done very little wrong. Okay. And they're still like in the maelstrom because like, there's this like pseudo xenophobia around TikTok as a Chinese company. And like the hammer of Thor is coming down on TikTok and it's not like actual bad behavior and like actual like terrorist financing and actually like trying to rip off your users. So if that's what's happening to TikTok, I can only imagine, you know, what they're going to try to do to Binance. To be fair, I think the Binance trading against their customers thing, I think I've heard that for years and I've always just assumed it was true based on every single person I've ever talked to who worked at Binance. <laughs> like it's, it was not, let's put it this way. That was not a dark, deep secret. First of all, the, the identity of Merit Point, which also ironic that the name of the 
trading on your own platform thing has the word merit in it. <laughs> like kind of like un- unreal. That entity has been well known for a long time. And there have been a bunch of articles that have listed it. So it's, it's definitely not, there have been like CZ's uh, only an investor in this trading firm that happens to be 20% of Binance volume. That 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 sort of bit has been some of the older articles. So I'd say that was actually one of the le- least surprising things. The Hamas thing was the most surprising to me for sure. I was like, whoa, like for such a low value thing, the idea of writing what they wrote is just, I don't I mean, even have words be, for it. I, I'd have to assume that we're getting, you know, sort of the, the, the very just like tip of the iceberg, like there's probably a lot more black market activity that they were aware of it that was very profitable for them to facilitate. Because otherwise, like, why would you just let it? I mean, obviously nobody's going to have $600 transactions from Hamas and just be like, okay, cool, that's fine. Unless they understand that there's a broader part of their business that depends on that. Um, yeah, for sure. It, I, I I think like another interesting fact is... Um, if we not just look at the Binance side, but like let's actually look at the US trading firm side because that was, you know, yes, they were like, oh, 30% of our usage was from the US, but it was like 10, 10 firms. So, like, it's not like it's like 30% is coming from like retail users punting. No, no, no. Perks. A lot of their volume was coming from the, so they talked about like the two Bitcoin withdrawal per day accounts. And a lot of their volume was coming from these sort of non KYC two Bitcoin accounts. One of the reasons why they, really did not want to turn this off until after they had Binance US up was that it was a huge portion of their of their retail uh, volume was coming from these two Bitcoin accounts. But the, a lot of market, the market makers ones were like still in violation post Binance US. That, I, and that, that was where yes. I, it was kind of interesting. The question to me is like, well, whether the CFTC is going to go after the US companies, which, you know, in order, our trading from A is Radix slash Blander. Ben Blander is one of the how would I put it? Highest ego people I've ever interacted with in algorithmic trading in my time. He he's does not he thinks maybe so highly of himself that he didn't say no comment to the Wall Street Journal when he should have today. Cause like the article doc where he docks himself is is kind of funny. So trading from A's Radix, which is like actually a really small trading firm in 2018, before I started Gauntlet, I was like debating going staying in algo trading. I interviewed a few places and everyone told me Radix was gonna die. So I was like, okay, well, not gonna go talk to them. Uh, so I guess they must have survived off this Binance thing. That was like one interesting fact I learned about this was like a bunch of trading firms that were almost dead in like normal futures and equities. Their like path to survival was like Binance market making. Trading firms were much more larger. Okay. I'd be very surprised if they go after the trading firms, right? I mean, in general, they, in, in general, that's like not the way that these guys like to operate is going after the traders as opposed to going after the exchange operators. Uh, so sort of. Uh, trading firm B was Jane Street. Trading firm C is Tower Research. But uh, trading firm A was interesting because they like explicitly logged in from a U.S. account when they are registered as a Jersey entity and then like tried to be like, oh, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. That, that computer happens to be owned by the Jersey entity. There's a bunch of stuff like that, which is actually like, you can get a lot of penalties or your license you can get like licenses suspended so like you can't mm. trade CME FCM type of things I, I could I could see some 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 blowback for the trading firms I'm more curious what the the US penalties are from the perspective mm. of like I still believe that like there's a ton of volume on Binance that's American it's not like even with post KYC uh, doing things like yeah making Jersey entities. So I'm just more kind of curious if like if any of them get prosecuted, I actually suspect that then you'll see a ton of US volume leave Binance permanently because people will be like, we can't take this risk of like our offshore entity not being good enough cover for us. Yeah, certainly possible. Now, Binance did issue a response, I think, uh, uh, pretty, pretty soon after. Yes. So their their response, well, the first response was four, which is uh, CZ's code word for like ignore the FUD. But then he was like, okay, shit, like we were getting a bunch of withdrawals. I should probably actually say something. So um, he, uh, to be clear, the withdrawals are relatively small. So I think it's like a billion out of like 60 billion plus in, in total uh, deposits they have. So uh, Binance issued a statement basically first rebutting a few of the claims. It, it was honestly not, a, it was not very substantive. They basically said, like, one, we have a big compliance program. We have, like, 70-plus people who are on compliance full-time, which is, I don't know how that, what you know, I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, we work really hard on compliance. We have great KYC. We have a lot of licenses. Uh, and then they, they also said, look, the internal accounts 
are because we take our profits in crypto and we have to divest that in order to pay our people. And so, you know, I have accounts on Binance as well because I get paid in crypto and I sometimes need to turn it into cash because I need to, you know, pay my rent. Um, so kind of, you know, very like, um, sympathetic slant to the way he's trying to portray the, um, the 300 internal accounts that they use. And then I think the chief strategy officer of Binance stated that, uh, on Twitter, that the reason why they use these internal trading accounts was only to provide liquidity and to minimize slippage, not to, you know, actively you know, hunt orders or try to, you know, uh, adversarially attack some of the people on their exchange as FTX was once accused of. So I don't know how much their response really addressed much of, of note in there. So I guess the question is like, okay, what happens from here? Okay. Let's assume, I think at this point, it seems pretty obvious that there's, this is not the end. It's not just going to be a CFTC complaint. There's gonna be more that comes, whether it's the SEC, whether it's the DOJ, what do you think is the net result of this? Like, obviously this stuff takes time to work out in the courts. Do you think that CZ is still going to be running Binance in two years? Do you think Binance is still going to be top dog in two years, three years, five years? What would you guys predict? Robert, you're up first. You're making, you're making a face. So you're up first. I, I think, I mean, as I said before, I think this fits into like the Venn diagram of like target number one. Um, I think it's going to be bad. I think they're going to potentially bring criminal charges. You know, I think they're going to try to shut down Binance. You know, we'll talk about the Wells notice against Coinbase, you know, coming up after this. But, like, I don't think Coinbase is on the, like, for execution, you know, this is in the public's interest (laughs) strategy. Like, shutting down Coinbase is not in the public's interest. I think there's probably enough people within the administration that the, that truly believe that shutting down Binance is in the public's best interest, period, full stop, and will make that the goal and are smart enough to know that shutting down Coinbase is a terrible idea and against the public's interest. So, okay, I so how long do you think it takes for Binance to, to get shut down? You know, I'm probably taking a much more conservative view or aggressive view. I don't know which one that is, but honestly, I think within 18 months, there's a play at like totally shutting down Binance. Total shutdown within 18 months. Okay. Tarun, what do you think? I would compare my time scale to like whether the trading firms get people go after them. Because if Binance actually can lose, starts losing its liquidity advantage and say like other exchanges, like the Bybits of the world, start taking all the market makers and getting tight, really tight spreads, like I could see it being happening faster because like they'll both be weaker and the government's going after them versus not but if they somehow are able to not have that happen then then it'll be very different so i i I guess like because of that i give a pretty wide confidence interval i'm not sure it will totally shut down like bitmex didn't totally shut down right like i'm more of the mindset that it'll be crimped in some ways and cz steps down who you steps up something like that yeah i know it was interesting she wasn't mentioned at all in the complaint uh, yeah. I, I thought that that made me think she was the informant, but that was just maybe my <laughs> my conspiratorial like mindset. Oh, you know that like, you know they've dated, so it's like uh, that's actually very conspiratorial. Oh uh, yeah, I mean the whole their whole the whole story of how that happened was was kind of wild. But wasn't she like a news anchor in China like before? She was like a she was like a, a kind of famous news anchor. She, I, I don't know. She they were both at OKX before, but like her absence of her name. Com- in that doc was like very apparent, perhaps so much so that maybe she is actually the informant. I just kind of think, I don't know how the U.S. really goes after them. Like I'm sure Binance U.S., if you ask me when that's dead, I could totally be like, that's dead in 12 months. I mean, think about how many times a CEO of Binance U.S. has changed. First of all, the first CEO of Binance U.S. disappeared for a couple of years, although I think I saw her in Denver. So like, I think she's, she's, she's back in the world. The second CEO of Binance US, who is the former OCC head, left after three months. And then like it's just been this like kind of like ring around the rosy type of like management since then. So Binance US, I feel like you could see getting immediately being sent to the slaughterhouse as like a appeasement. And also it has the most US liability. The you know Binance US was trying to acquire the assets of Voyager. It, it was it was so interesting because it was just a week ago that a judge excoriated the SEC for claiming that like, oh no, you can't let a Binance to allow it to take the stuff because we think they're in violation of a bunch of laws. And the judge was like, okay, yeah, what laws? And the SEC was like, well, we can't quite say. And there was like, okay, shut the fuck up, get out of my court. Like, you know, this acquisition is going through. And then the judge just stayed the order 
and said, never mind, Binance US cannot acquire Voyager's assets. So it seems like you're absolutely right. The pressure on Binance US, which is much easier to get to, is going to get turned up really quickly. CZ being a Canadian citizen also makes is different than Arthur, who is a US citizen, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. Uh, so like, I feel like that, and yeah, Arthur, if you're listening, apologies if I get that wrong and you, you change your citizenship, but I, 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 I'm pretty sure it's very different with CZ because like, I'm not sure how you would, how you would actually find him. I mean, it's pretty well known. He's in, he's in uh, the UAE right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he takes pictures there. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, it's not like it's just pretty well known. It's like, I, you can just go to his, his Twitter and click media <laughs> And, and get get a good sign of that. But I guess the the question is more like, what would what would like a guy? What would the U.S. actually be able to get him extradited? And if they did, it doesn't matter. I think the bigger thing is more that they, they just crimp them in like all these like it's death by a thousand cuts. Like cut off the banking system stuff first, then suddenly like add Binance some sanctions list or something so that like other countries residents can't you know, use them as much. So it's, I, I suspect it's going to be that, but then at the end, it's, it might not be totally dead because it has a lot of brand value. I mean, the DOJ playbook is like, just seize the .com. And then once the .com is like this big DOJ logo, that's like, hey, Binance US or Binance.com is no longer, uh, no longer operating. How does that work? Like, do they just tell ICANN, the DOJ has jurisdiction over ICANN? Yeah. Or like, yeah, I thought yeah. the I in ICANN says it's like a UN thing. That's all <laughs> yeah, right. That's ridiculous. Oh, Tarun. Oh, Tarun. That's mm. so sweet. Well, that's why that's where they're happens. gonna migrate to uh, Binance.eth.limo. That's the new, the new feature. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> they're gonna um, go on Urbit. That's that's what it's yeah, gonna be. Gonna yeah, go it's Urbit. Okay. So so my prediction is I don't think it dies. I think it just has this like very slow tapering demise. If that would be okay which is yeah. kind of what happened to bitmex right bitmex didn't yeah, die but it. sort of you know slowly declined to it's now like a top 20 something exchange yeah i, yeah. I could kind of see that happening it's, it's kind of like the emperor the chinese emperors who go live in exile you know they're not killed yeah but they just you know they're given this little corner of the world that they have to stay in <laughs> binance us though 100 percent, i think will die like in in robert's time frame or less like i i think that that's the sacrificial lamb that like will just be killed immediately all right, Tom, what's your take? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with Tarun here. I mean, it was actually interesting after, um, uh, I think it was immediately after they uh, uh, put out their sort of rebuttal um, and CZ tweeted it out. He also tweeted out this article, I think, uh, about sort of the HKMA warming up to crypto. And you said something like, oh, there's, you know, a world outside the US or something, something to the effect of, hey, Asia is actually opening up to crypto if the US is going to shut it out. And I think CZ has the resources to, you know, avoid uh, 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 jurisdictions that have extradition with the U.S. And so, I, I mean, I, I would not be expected if there's like a uh, rest warrant or Interpol, you know, uh, uh, alert out for him imminently. But like physically getting him and, and trying to put him on trial seems very tricky. But I agree with Tarun. It seems like more, um, hey, just making it very difficult to deal with finance um, and just making it kind of difficult for them to do business overall. Yeah, I... I... I hear you, although, you know, I, I don't think CZ is uh, that interested in going to China either. Like, he was chased out of China as well for all, the, I mean, they had a ton of market share in China when yeah. uh, running an exchange is even more illegal than it is in the US. For the sake of our industry, please do not write things like this anymore. What was the, the quote that was related to, like, the block wrote this article that, like, Binance still had this office in Shanghai. And then, CZ replied with this tweet that's like became memed forever, which it's was like, like, recommend no more news like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like for the sake of our industry, recommend no more news like that. And your company. There was, there was a little subtle threat in there as well, I believe. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was like, I, I think that thing became just like this, like huge meme, um, you know, uh, was around about this China thing that in, yeah. in case anyone's ever, in, in case you're wondering the provenance of that meme, it has to do with the, they're like, hey, we're kicked out of China, but we're actually not uh, yeah. thing. I, I don't see a way that this thing doesn't turn criminal. I mean, with with everything that's in there, especially about sanctions and terrorist financing, um, I think. And and you know, like uh, Robert was uh, like Robert was saying, like there's just so much appetite to go after this, like sort of Chinese overseas, like runs up to thousand shell companies, takes over the world, you know. And and after Sam. Like Sam just kind of, you know, he took a giant dump in the punch bowl and now everyone is like, huh, 
this punch sucks. Like who else is, who else is making punch out there? <laughs> Turns out CZ has the biggest punch bowl of anybody. I don't know. This, I, this, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've never heard. I've never heard that metaphor, and it's extremely disgusting to like think about. <laughs> Wait, isn't, isn't that the metaphor? That's a metaphor, right? Is sure, that not a thing? Uh, I'm pretty sure it is. I think I actually, I, just to be accurate, I think it's who peed in the punch bowl. Is it yeah, who peed in the yeah, punch yeah. bowl? Hold on, it's yeah, still disgusting. Let's it's be still honest. disgusting. But, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's more right. disgusting. <laughs> all right, thanks, guys. Thank, thank you. Thank you for the fact check in real time. That's why uh, I can always count on you guys. Um, anyway, all right. Sorry, please, please unhear that. Long story short, I think I agree with you all. Let's move on because uh, we okay. That's 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 enough about Binance. Although speaking of extradition, we did also just get uh, notice a couple of days ago that Do Kwan was just arrested. So it turns out Do Kwan, uh, he was in Montenegro of all places with some faked pass, like some uh, forged documents, and uh, he got caught just for having, I guess, forged documents. Also, there was an Interpol notice out for him as well. You know, I don't know if if, if Do can get out. Um, I don't know that CZ is going to do that much better. Um, although, you know, I don't know what Doe is doing in, in Europe. It's always some damn thing in the Balkans, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think the thing that's most hilarious to me about the timing was Vitalik is running this two-month social experiment in Montenegro in the same city that Doe was caught in. That started March twenty oh, fifth. Is that why he was, and Doe was oh. caught on the twenty third? No, 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 no. I don't think it has to do with like. But no it was way. like, there's no way that's the a coincidence. Doe no was flying to Vitalik's conference to poach a bunch of Ethereum engineers to rebuild <laughs> Terra Two. Is that what you're alluding to, Tarun? You know, I I, I know no, of no such conspiracy this theory. This is the only part of the show that is investment advice. <laughs> no, no, no. I just think it was like funny. It was like the same city. I can't pronounce it. Pud Pudrugal, something like that. Yeah, like, like, yeah, there's this thing called Zuzalu. You mentioned ETH.limo, Zuzalu.eth.limo is the sign, site, uh, website for it. But if anyone, that, if anyone can figure out how to spell that, good luck. It, which is, which is sort of this thing that Ethereum early, Ethereum insiders, I don't know what else I'd call it, but like they're having this conference that's like part crypto stuff, part like AI safety, part some other stuff. It's like a multi month conference. I don't know if I call it a conference. It's like a pop up. Yeah, it's like effective altruism meets Eastern European vibes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to. I'm not Hopefully, there's no polycule thrown in there for good measure. I, I feel like there is. I feel like it's a mix of also a little bit of Burning Man vibes. I feel like there's kind of a little yeah. bit of everything in there. Yeah, there's all, all the people I know who are really excited about going are definitely like exactly the type of people who are like excited about going to the Bahamas. There's a, there's a strong overlap. Like I know people who are in the Bahamas who are going to Montenegro. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot more innocuous than what was happening in the Bahamas. So just 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 to be clear, get a clear that yeah, association. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not, not that way. I meant more about the non-crypto related activities, like longevity and like psychedelics yeah. and whatever, right? Yeah. Like like all the other stuff is like, which, like right now. That sounds so wholesome to me. I don't know. After talking about all this like sanctions violations, money laundering stuff, I'm like, oh, that sounds so. That sounds so sweet. Like, but Joe was caught at the eve of this event. That's yes. what I'm saying. It's like that was the funny part. Right? It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like I guess how, he was, maybe he, he was like, look, if I just hang out here, they can't kick me out of here, right? And they're like, no, 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 you're not invited. Like, we're gonna, you're kicking, you're, we're kicking you out, and then he got caught. Well, no, no. I, Montenegro has some type of like. There's a reason people keep going there for for crypto things, right? Like their their government wants to use crypto as a current, like accept crypto as a national tender or something. The hackathon at the end of Zuzalo is actually like how to build government services for Montenegro in smart contracts. So it's like it, it's definitely okay. there's definitely something about Montenegro and like their legal system being very favorable to weird crypto experiments. That's cool. So I think that's the reason that they're both there. It's just the timing was amazing. I don't think that's why Do Kwan is there to offer services to the Montenegro No, 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 no. Government. I know he's not. I'm just saying the timing was amazing that it happened to be, yeah. you know. That, that but he was, it was very coincidental, but he was flying to the UAE, right? So he was trying to get out of there. Uh, there's too many, too many crypto nerds. True. Also, yeah. wait, did he have like a Costa Rican passport? Like that? Yeah. No offense. Like if, 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 if this, if Do Kwan came up to me and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm from Costa Rica, I would, I too would also look <laughs> twice at the passport, like five times maybe. If you're in Montenegro, maybe you just don't, all accents kind of sound vaguely weird to you. You know, I don't know. It, it clearly didn't. It was a, it was at a private airport. It wasn't even at well, commercial airport. We've got a lot of other content to discover. So it's been uh, so beyond just the CFTC action and Doquan getting arrested, hero of the show. We also got a Wells notice by the SEC issued against Coinbase. So for those of you who don't know, a Wells notice is basically an indication of like, hey, we're going to sue you. Give us a response. 
in case that we decide not to sue you at the last minute, but probably we're going to sue you. So Coinbase issued a Wells notice. Um, uh, Coinbase did not share all the details of the Wells notice, but basically from what they indicated, the Wells notice addresses the staking business, which we already know Kraken uh, was sued by the SEC and they settled over Kraken staking business, potentially being a security. Um, and uh, the staking business and also some of them, uh, some of the assets listed on Coinbase also being unregistered securities. So that's the indication we've gotten from Coinbase. Now, Coinbase issued a pretty scathing response on Twitter and in a blog post, basically saying that they met with the SEC more than 30 times in the last nine months, gave them zero feedback directly on what to change or how to register. Uh, they asked Coinbase to give proposals on what registration would look like. Coinbase wrote up, like, they, you know, they put a lot of time and energy into writing out proposals at the SEC's request about what a path for crypto exchange registration might look like. And the SEC basically ignored them, canceled their last meeting, and then popped them with a Wells notice without giving them any indication over all of their conversations, which, of course, you know, Coinbase is known as being the most compliant, most kind of uh, compliance first exchange in the U.S., besides maybe Gemini, which likes to yell that they're very compliant. But, as you, you know, Coinbase is obviously the biggest and, and, and the brightest within the industry. This kind of rocked uh, a lot of people because it sort of shows that the SEC at this point is going after everyone. It doesn't matter how good of, or bad of an actor you are. Um, there's basically a full court press from the administration at this point to go after crypto. Uh, so what were your guys' thoughts seeing the Wells notice? At this point, it kind of feels like, you know, this happened months ago, but this was just, this was just last week uh, since our last show. It, it feels pretty momentous. Now, Coinbase has this very belligerent attitude about it, which is great to see. And Coinbase, as far as I can tell, they have such a good case against the SEC, given all the facts of their engagement with the SEC and all the attempts that they've made uh, in good faith to try to get the SEC to give them some kind of positive indication of what they should be doing. But, you know, if Gensler said publicly he thinks everything besides Bitcoin is security, in which case, you know, compliance would basically mean, you know, become a Bitcoin-only exchange, which would just be an obvious, you know... Hey, isn't that just BitMEX? Old school BitMEX? <laughs> uh, Bitcoin-only trade perps? Your margin was always in Bitcoin, right? <laughs> Well, the derivatives that would be the problem there, right? Is, you know, they don't. Well, have to... to point this out, if you haven't seen, you know, I logged into my Coinbase account today, and there's actually a new derivatives tab. So, oh, oh okay. yeah, oh yeah, yeah log in the Coinbase. Yeah, I think Coinbase is actually like for non-US, like London or something that like they 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 they're London or Singapore or something like that. They're going to offer like three to ten x leverage. I'm not sure, but it's like capped a lot lower than everywhere else. It's not Binance tier. I see. I see. Wait, Robert, are you using your Jersey account in order to get access no, to those it's products? it's read-only for me. I'm, I just see the Oh, tab. it's read-only. I see. I yeah, see. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. No, okay. did, but, but now you're – see, you made fun of the are you doing, using the Jersey account thing. But I, I'm telling you, if any of these FCM licensed people lose their FCM license over this Binance thing, you will see all the liquidity providers who are vaguely American just like leave crypto exchanges, right? And so like to me, that's the way to kill – Binance would probably – take a higher hit in some I mean, I, I think a lot of these trading firms, like they, what, they, they're creating these offshore entities, like they are pretty clean. There's a lot of money in making sure that those things are airtight. So I would be, I'd be surprised. I mean, maybe somebody's going to get hit, but I think the people who did it right will look at those people and be like, okay, those guys are idiots. Yeah, I'm just saying that CFTC's description of the bumblings of, you know, two firms that are extremely large too, right? And like extremely well capitalized still made these kind of like logged in from the US mistakes. I I think like there's the, the, the especially because it seems like regulators want to like go for the guillotine. Someone is going to get made an example of, and the question is like, who are they going to make the example of? And and, yeah. and I, I think like that will scare scare people a lot more than even more than like the loss of banking in my mind. So I mean, okay, so we've we've gotten from a bunch of different angles now, right? So like SEC going after Coinbase, CFTC going after Binance. The other the other big news from the CFT sorry, from the SEC as well this week was them going after Tron. So the SEC filed a lawsuit against Justin Sun for unregistered securities violations, market manipulation of just tons of wash trading of Tron. I think they, they had like a bunch of employees just repeatedly wash selling on different exchanges, um, as well as paying celebrities to endorse Tron and not disclosing payments, as well as the celebrities themselves. So uh, who do we have on the list? Is Lindsay Lohan, Jake Paul, Soldier Boy, Mayo, Akon, and of course Lil Yachty, who we all know and love. All of them were hit by the SEC for basically endorsing, I think Tron, I think it was mostly Tron that they were endorsing or like Tron ecosystem tokens. 
on the whole, it looks like basically every angle now is coming down. Like this feels one, very coordinated. Obviously, you also have FDIC doing the debanking. You have the SEC going after celebrities. You have uh, CFTC and the SEC going after exchanges. You've got, you know, Do Kwan getting arrested in Montenegro, which, you know, maybe coincidental, but like it, it, it sort of fills in the pastiche that this now feels like a full court press, uh, particularly within the U.S., but uh, also the moment that Do Kwan was arrested, by the way, there were also uh, charges un- unsealed by uh, uh, New York prosecutors uh, against Do Kwan, basically jockeying to get him extradited to New York for um, uh, trial. So at this point, it's very hard to say that this is not coming straight from the executive of saying, hey, I want heads. Let's go after everything in crypto because everything in this industry needs to go. Yeah, it is hard not to see it being uh, coordinated, I guess. I think the the more cynical take here is that like, you know, some of these, some of these suits are like extremely unsurprising, um, like Tron, for example, but some of them, such as Coinbase, it, it seems like they're going to fight pretty hard and it's clear what the, you know, basis of the of the case would be, but you know, Genzer's out in two years anyway, and so it's like the suit is more of the point versus actually like winning the suit. And I think there's also rumors coming out that like this Ripple lawsuit they might be able to settle, and that's why you've seen XRP kind of pumping lately. And so I don't know if it's like all of these things are going to have sort of the same outcome, I guess, or it's going to be sort of this one you know sort of monolithic uh, act across all these different uh, crypto companies. But it, it does somehow feel that hey, in the past two months we've seen more action than we've seen in the past two years, effectively. Um, it's, it's hard not to think that like there is there's something going on behind the scenes. Yeah, this, this feels like probably one of the most important questions over the next year is what's going to happen with U.S. regulatory action against crypto. Um, I agree with you that actually a lot of these things, so I, I think if you sort of look at them um, separately, right, the debanking stuff, it feels like already there's been a lot of public attention on this debanking of crypto that I, th- I think they thought was going to be more quiet because um, they were kind of pushing through back channels. Like there was no real, there was no real transparency around how they were doing it. And now, you know, there's like op-eds in the Wall Street Journal, like this, this stuff is now getting very public that, hey, FDIC is kind of, you know, putting the elbow on the scales and trying to push banks to uh, not work with crypto companies. And people are pissed off about this. I think this, this is perceived as being a sort of extra legal crossing of a boundary that FTC really should not be doing. The same thing, I think, with the SEC action against Coinbase. I think people mostly perceive this as being excessive. And in the, at least in the court of public opinion, it looks really bad for the SEC. If, in fact, they do bring a lawsuit, they might not. So to be clear, a Wells notice doesn't mean that there's a lawsuit filed. Um, they might decide not to file the lawsuit just upon seeing the response of Coinbase, or also just seeing that, like, hey, this is going to be super unpopular and we're not going to win. Uh, so let's not even bother bringing the, the lawsuit. But this stuff with Binance definitely is going to play. There's just no, no way that we're not going to see this as being one of the most important stories of the year is the CFTC lawsuit against Binance or whatever else comes from it. And it does kind of feel like this is, this is kind of the way that the cycle will truly come to an end, right? Like in, in some ways, the, the 2017, 2018 cycle, the biggest exchange was BitMEX. And the cycle in a way was not really over until like the, until the, the, the full kind of denouement of, Arthur finally finding himself, you know, under indictment. I mean, not that I wanted him to, but that in some way that like that was the resolution of the cycle. And in some way, you know, Binance has been the overwhelming winner of this cycle. And seeing them finally fall, um, whether it be one from just a death by a thousand cuts of like, you know, customers having to basically abandon them because it's just too dicey to deal with Binance, or two, just because, you know, CZ is literally forced to step down, hand over the reins. You know, they they have to divest a lot of their businesses and you know, things just become chaos over there and people just naturally be like, okay, shit, this exchange is a mess. I don't want to trade here anymore. Um, if Binance loses the throne, it's going to be painful in the short term because so much of the market, so much of the global market for crypto is on Binance. They're like 60% of the global market is just on that single exchange. So it is, it is the market today. Um, if Binance goes under, it's going to be super painful. A lot of things are going to get hurt. A lot of people are going to get hurt. A lot of startups are going to get hurt. But ultimately, the industry is going to reorganize around whatever the new exchanges are. At the end of the day, the, the industry is really about the technology. It's about the assets, it's about Bitcoin and Ether and all the stuff that's getting built, not about who happens to be the biggest exchange today. I agree. I think if Binance goes down, it's potentially going to reinvent everything and we might actually see more self-custody, more DeFi, more things that are long-term good and healthy grow in its way. Yeah, I think another thing that's sort of 
curious is that, yeah, crypto exchanges don't have a very long half-life historically, or like at least their ranking, their ability to stay at the top for a long time has not, has been sort of never been high for anyone other than Coinbase, which has just kind of been like consistent, if, if, if not anything else. But I, I'm kind of, I'm not so, I don't, I don't know if the, the end of Binance is, is sort of the, the end of, of the world in, in some ways. Um, I, I, but like, I, I still think that people do want perpetual futures in general are an innovation that's not going away. Like people, people like them and their reasons that they're really hard to do with real commodities because your physical delivery, you have all this settlement risk stuff. Like look at, look at like the, the London Mercantile Exchange recently found that like 0.8% of the nickel in their warehouses was actually stone, you know, like stuff like that completely changes your contract specs and product. And then like in some sense, and, and I hope Gensler is listening to this. Crypto is the most pure commodity as a commodity. It like has immediate delivery properties and has like all the properties that all the commodities trading on CME, LME, whatever, Urex, JP, you know, um, JS, JSX, whatever. All of those things are all like these like approximate contracts, right? It's like, oh, we're like, we're selling you hog futures and the hogs are between like 45 pounds and 65 pounds. Like sometimes you might have like, you might not get that many of the 65 pound ones. And there's some sense in which crypto is actually the most pure quantity that you know your delivery is like exactly a particular thing. And you can build these cleaner financial products like perpetual futures on them. So the real question is like, will DeFi ever be able to stand up alternatives that, you know, are compelling enough to these users? Uh, and hopefully this is a good push to push us in that direction. I mean, I, as much as I love DeFi, I think, you know, people were saying this after the collapse of FTX as well. Is it like, oh, this is going to prove the need for DeFi and DeFi is going to, you know, step up to the mantle. And, you know, DeFi had like this, this um, kind of rebound immediately after the collapse of FTX, but then things kind of went back to trend line, which is that DeFi is cool. It's great. People like it. But like ultimately people, most people are going to be using DeFi because they don't know how to use MetaMask. They don't know how to self-custody. They don't know how to do any of the stuff. And of course, a lot of what Binance does, and this is where I have to give a lot of credit to Binance, Binance is operating in so many countries where nobody else is operating. Uh, they're doing so much for consumers in places where almost nobody else even bothers to offer consumer services aside from just trade Bitcoin, right? Most people, most exchanges, they're, they're, they're not nearly as deeply entrenched into people's lives as Binance was. And that's part of the reason why they created such an incredible business and why they're so beloved by their consumers. So it would be great to see a world where Binance can survive because like the enterprise value of what they've built is so massive. My, my worry is just that so much of it has just been tainted by the way in which it was built that we're going to have to go through the painful process of somebody else stepping up to that mantle or just going into a world that is, that is just more quote unquote decentralized in that there is not going to be any single player that has 60% market share and therefore operates in every single nook and cranny of these small countries where nobody else can afford to have a ground game besides Binance. Binance is an incredibly efficient company. You know, they, they, they're obviously incredibly profitable. They're very, very good at what they do. Um, and it's a testament to what CZ has built. But unfortunately, he just was driving too fast. And he's caught too many tickets along the way that I don't know if he's going to be able to keep driving this car into the next decade. But I, I, keep, I keep taking these metaphors and kind of pulling them along with me. Better than the punch bowl, at least. I, I guess, I guess I, I, the, the thing that's weird to me is like, it's a, like they are a little hard to, Hill, they're actually in some sense already a little bit decentralized in to your point you know like binance Lat latin america is like completely different from binance turkey which is sort of completely different from you know binance us or china or whatever so i kind of could imagine that maybe they actually fracture into like these like splinter cell companies that serve the regions and like they they just end up being like regional exchanges I can uh, see that. I mean, they have it's, so it's like many Bell fiat Lab. on it's, it's like, it's like, it's, yeah, it's like, it's like Ma Bell breaking up, except it's <laughs> crypto exchange. Yeah. Cause a lot of these are franchises, right? So it's like, there's, yeah. they're totally different exchanges that basically were bought by Binance or partnered with Binance. Binance operates the tech and like change the branding and helps them with marketing and go to market and whatever. But the, I mean, the one thing that became very clear, especially from that CFTC lawsuit is that 
everything was just controlled by CZ. Same way that we saw with FTX, right? Everything was controlled by Sam. So most of these exchanges are very, very, very centralized in the leader. And, you know, of all of these companies and all these little shells and all this stuff, CZ was always at the center of it, or it continues to be at the center of it. Um, and so I do think it'll be painful if CZ is suddenly pulled out and Binance is somehow has to continue operating. But I, I agree with you. I think it's likely that, um, you know, in some of these places like Binance US, I think, I think you're right. Binance US is probably not viable without the Binance branding. Um, but in most of these jurisdictions, like Binance has just built such an incredibly, um, like such a committed user base. And they're, they're just so good at what they do that granted, I agree. Granted, their, their user base loves Binance because of BUSD. And if BUSD suddenly is non-existent, I would be, I would say that BUSD and USDT access are extremely important. And if somehow Binance is unable to continue that, that flow of do- exporting dollars from the US to all these places, that I mean, will... they'll always be able to facilitate USD, USDT, even if they're no longer yeah, Binance. For, for sure, but I, I I do think the the BUSD growth in Latin America was actually you know a huge part of their success in the last year. So I'm kind of I'm kind of a little bit. This is why I think they're the separate franchise thing is actually maybe the the dark horse theory that like the Latin American one will just be like, sorry, we didn't we didn't know that CZ controlled everything. Like, guess what? We're now Binance Latam. Like, we're our own entity. Because like it's it they all have you're right that they all have too much enterprise value that's like tied to their local regions, ironically, for because it's crypto you think that there there shouldn't be that much but but you know they do yeah so okay I think most likely over this next week if I had to guess we're going to see more stuff drop because anybody who is working on anything just feels like oh shit we got scooped CFTC has a lot more than we do. We should get something out. We whatever we have that's original, we should get it out the door. And my guess is it's not just going to be the U.S. It's going to be other countries too that we're working on something. So it, I think that this next week is going to be chaotic. That'd be my guess. Although I don't know, you know, I don't have any inside information. I don't know anything. And uh, but but obviously there's a lot of rumors flying around um, every which way about what what's coming next on this CZ thing. So everyone keeps talking about this like Asia is opening up. Type of thing. I don't know enough to understand that. I did speak with someone who 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 was like, what used to be a regulator who said something like this too. What's the actual story? Is there is that like some like hopium story that people have made up, or is there <laughs> is there like actually some like real laws in Hong Kong or whatever that are being? Passed? No, it's definitely it's definitely real. So there's been rumors that Hong Kong is going to allow Hong Kong residents to start buying Bitcoin and Ether uh, within a couple months. So I don't know if that's been confirmed to be true, but it's very, very clear Hong Kong is now positioning themselves to open back up to digital assets. And China itself, Beijing, kind of behind closed doors, is basically silently nodding and saying, okay, great, this is, this is going to be the sandbox through which we allow digital assets to start coming back into the region. Hong Kong is basically a way, I mean, Hong Kong is like very, you know, it's basically rich people and then people who've been native Hong Kongers. And it's, it's essentially a way of saying, okay, if we allow it in Hong Kong, that essentially allows high net worth to get access to it uh, without allowing Chinese retail, you know, the Lao Baixing, the, the sort of ordinary people in China to potentially get fleeced by, you know, NFT scams and ICOs and all this other nonsense. So, you know, from China's perspective, it's funny because China bans crypto basically every bull cycle, right? This, 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 uh, 2021 was actually the third time they banned crypto, which kind of tells you like their bans are a little bit watery if they keep having to reban it. But that's kind of the way China operates is that like in China, you know, they ban something and then they kind of let it come back in the corners and they don't quite enforce this thing. And they sort of, they oh, this little loophole people are using, we'll kind of let them keep doing that and watch and see how it develops. Because I think what China dislikes about crypto is not crypto per se, but what they don't like is disorder. And bull markets in crypto are really fucking disorderly, right? They are, you know, crazy people scamming pyramid schemes, you know, NFT fraud, all this, like things just go totally nuts in China every time there's a crypto bull market. And that's what China tamps down on. Um, but once things are calm, which right now they're very calm, in a way, it also just feel like the thing I was saying earlier, that this is kind of the natural evolution of the cycle, right? The same thing happened, you know, China banned ICOs in 2017. And they were like, oh, this is all crazy. It's not, you know, you guys aren't allowed to do this. They tamped down on everything. And then slowly but surely started to come back and people started to do crypto startups again. And exchanges started to offer stuff to Chinese people again. And uh, RMB started to get traded for USDT again, and it started to come back. And this feels like, oh, this is, we're at that point in the handing off of this cycle to the next one where 
the big exchange founder gets gets hit. You know, the the altcoins pull back and like the the hype cycle's gone away. China reopens again. Uh, like new new licensing regulatory regimes start figuring out how they're gonna start operating the stuff. It feels like I've seen this story before. That I have very strong deja vu. My dark horse candidate, and this again, I don't know why today I'm indulging in so much uh, extreme speculative, you know, thought. It is is actually that a lot of Chinese companies are like making these kind of like announcements that like, hey, we're not flat footed. We also will have large language models like Baidu. Like every two days is like, oh no no no, we're going to build Baidu AI and it's going to be OpenAI's competitor. Like like there was like some some like, and they're U.S. public companies and they have to report this. So it's like. You can see this stuff. There's definitely this thing of like, you know, in the self-driving car and sort of like visual, like tag tagging, image tagging, and video tagging stuff. There was always this idea that like China was way ahead of the U.S. in AI, but in the language stuff, it's like clear that the U.S. has basically steamrolled everyone, and you're starting to see this kind of like national angst. Like Britain, Britain was like, we're going to build our own open AI and like we're going to like fund it with government money, like and call it Brit GPT. Like literally, the prime minister. Wait, what? That. I did not see yes, that. it was like hilarious. Wow. Uh, so, so there's a lot of this like weird like national pride stuff, and I actually think someone is going to be like, hey, look, we lost the ho- the race in AI, but you know where we can we can actually win is crypto, <laughs> and like that's going to be kind of like that's my sort of like one year dark horse speculative theory that like China might be that place. Look, I think China understands that, right? If you remember, 2019, they announced the Blockchain Plus initiative and this idea that like blockchain was super strategically important for China as a technology. Um, like that came straight from Xi Jinping. And they started, you know, doing a bunch of stuff at the government level to integrate blockchain. Um, and actually that that was the first time that I think in the People's Daily, which is like the big Chinese uh, you know, state-owned newspaper, um, they wrote this piece basically saying Bitcoin and Ether are fantastic innovations, they're wonderful for society, blah, 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 which is like Unheard of that China would, would would say something like that, and then of course they backpedaled after they banned crypto. They say, "Oh, and actually, no, these things are bad; they're speculative." Um, so, ev- everything I think in China, particularly, is very like China understands that crypto is really important. They don't necessarily know what to do with it, but they know that it's really important, and they know they see the U.S. is now giving up the lead, um, and they see that other countries are not right. Other countries are not doing the same thing. Japan is not doing that. Korea is not doing that. Uh, Europe is not doing that. Like. Pretty much at this point, the U.S. is the odd man out when it comes to countries' reactions to crypto. The U.S. is now the most punitive of almost any country besides, you know, basically like, you know, Iran or something uh, in its attitude towards crypto. Even China is actually being friendlier to crypto than, than the U.S. is at this point. So, yeah. And I think a lot of this, this, uh, this like national security over building new technologies thing, I think the U.S. suddenly like turning around from like 2017 where people are like, oh, yeah, AI companies in China are way ahead to the US being like the dominant place will will kind of drive some interest into this alternative technology national interest. But again, this is very speculative and it's just not as an opinion, not a definitely. I think also we're like US is the only G7 country that's not considering doing a CBDC, but that's like affirmatively not going to do a CBDC. So I think it's on it's on multiple levels, but that's for a different reason. Admittedly, I, I will I will say the following: uh, I won't name the person, but someone who is a, a, in the U.S. Uh, regulatory regime. You know, I, I was like, "Hey, are, are, do you think FedNow's FedNow, which is like this thing for doing bank transfers twenty four seven, is going to work and do all the have all those guarantees? Because like, it seems like they're kind of rushing it in response to crypto or something, or like the banking crisis." And um, the uh, the person replied, "Fed now? You mean Fed later, right?" <laughs> so, uh, Wait, as what? in, like they, <laughs> they don't equipped. think they don't think it's going to actually like launch correctly and do all the things. It's I think it'll but, launch. It's not yeah, that wait, they, they would like not claim it's going to launch within a few months. And yeah, no, yeah, no, no. That that, that it's going to be very very restricted. It's not going to be the like, hey, we actually have everything working. Oh, there's like whitelist only sort of test net. Yeah, 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 exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It's 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 gonna it's gonna be the take single it, sequencer it. roll up. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Okay, they're gonna take a take a page from the crypto playbook. I, I think that 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 like I'm not not surprised, but like I think that there's kind of this interesting thing of like the U.S. has been like, oh yeah, like we're not going to do CBDC because we have Fed now. But if Fed now fails, I bet you they might change their mind. Well, also, I mean, CBDC. The point of CBDC is not just uh, real time settlement among commercial banks, but it's also you know retail access to the the central sure. ledger. And uh, for sure, anyway, that, I mean, 
there's a lot more that we can talk about there. I, we're already over time, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and call it. But maybe next time we can talk about some of the FedNow CBDC stuff if if nothing else important happens. But my guess is that other important things will happen. If you're a listener and you like you actually like talking about that stuff, given that I'm not sure if we're the most qualified audience, please somehow uh, tweet at us or please do not tweet. Comments. If you like listening to us talk about CBDCs, I think I might tweet resign for the show. No, I, no, I'm just saying. Guys, like, I would I, love to get a poll. No, I, I would love to get a CBDC poll of show. whether people. <laughs> okay, well, I might. There you go. I, I might have to resign in disgrace from the show if that's what we become. Anyway, all right. Nothing against CBDCs. CBDCs are great. I love CBDCs, but. You know, I don't know. I don't. That's not why I got it. I don't. I, I definitely don't. But I do think it's worth talking about okay, them. Okay, fine. All right. Well, until next time, thanks, everybody. Um.